Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner. I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones. For this week's episode of the Church Planner Podcast, Peyton and I wanted to give you a taste of what Jump School is all about. Every month, we train church planners through our exclusive online training called jumpschooltraining.com, and every month we include with that a live Q&A call where our church planners are able to call in and ask their questions, or they can email us or leave it on our exclusive website uh, that's just set up for the Jump School peeps, and they're able to leave their questions, and we answer them during our Band of Brothers calls. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a little taste of Jump School. And if you'd like to register for Jump School, go to jumpschooltraining.com. We look forward to seeing you there. Ah, oh, dang it. That means we got to behave. <laughs> hey, Jump School, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And uh, if you've been hanging on the line, then you've been hearing our uh, our green room talk. We're we're uh, celebrity church planners, and um, and that's our green room talk. That's right. Hey Pete, will you pass that bowl of blue M and M's? Not the purple ones that they made special. Uh, I do not touch blue M and M's. I only touch purple M and M's. That's what I've got. That's why we had them made. That's why we had them made for you, special. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Well, we are here wonder, for month six. What's that? I wonder where that whole blue M&M thing came from. Was that from the chick who did... Well, um, remember, they didn't used to have blue M&Ms, and then all of a sudden they came out with them. And so there was like this uproar. Oh, that's not an M&M. M&Ms are never blue. And, and then, you know, some people were like, I'm not eating blue M&Ms. And so they would like literally take out all the blue M&Ms and yeah, but not there, eat them. There are public speakers who... Um, who actually have writers that are just like that. And a writer is like oh, yeah. something you send ahead. 
So, oh, so it's I, totally common. It's not like, I mean, I don't know about in the church world, but it's totally common in the secular world by far. Yeah, yeah. So I was, um, when I was over in the UK, there was uh, an author who, uh, I think she wrote the Candy Floss books, and she came to Borders, and she had a writer, and I can't remember what it was, but it went to all the staff and, and employees, and of course, I was working in the Starbucks, and like moms of kids, I don't know if Candy Floss is a big deal here, but it's like a character there, series of children's books in the UK, and she had a writer that was that ridiculous. Um, it was like a, you know, and I, I can't remember if there were blue M&Ms. I thought that was the first time I had ever heard of that. Now, I want a bowl of this type of candy. It literally was on there. I can't remember if it was blue M&Ms, but there would be a bowl of this kind of candy for me. And, uh, yeah, and they were just like, whoa, you know, we're, <laughs> we've left Kansas. Nice. Nice. I dig it. But anyway, what I was going to say about uh, the conversation that we wanted to have recorded, we were talking about funding because we're right in the middle of our Kickstarter campaign. <clears throat> We've, uh, as of this morning, we have $3,650 pledged of a $6,000 goal. And um, and if you're listening maybe to the recording, maybe you're not here on live, the, the call with us, then uh, let me just, in fact, why don't you briefly tell them what that project is, just so they know. Uh, and they Jump understand why we're trying to raise money for it. From day one of me training, they're in jump school, so you got to be careful. Yeah, you. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, from day explain. one of yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can hear me or not. I'm actually in a hotel room, in the bathroom, and uh, let me just step out for a second because the echo in here is really bad. So from day one of training church planners, the issue that I had was that um, I knew that uh, the most common question I was asked was, how do I train my core team? And so I kind of became really intrigued about, you know, what do people mean? And yet I knew that I had trained my core team to think missionally. And at that time, missional had just become a new buzzword but I was a missionary, and all missional means is you're a missionary. And so it's really, when you get a core team, you gather them, you think the work's done. But what often happens is you gather them together and you think, oh, crud. And in month six, those of you that are in month six, that's what this month is about, is training them to think missionally. Because if they don't go into it right, it's kind of like throwing a soldier uh, into battle and you haven't prepped them. That's why they have boot camp because they have to reprogram the guy. So think of this is kind of like a boot camp for your core team. And so what we're going to do in six weeks through this film series, and it's all military, you know, we're, we're going to train them. We're going to put them through a church planner boot camp so that they actually have the mindset they need to have as non-ministry people, as non-ministers, as non-professional paid ministers. We're going to get them into a missionary mindset so that they're going to be valuable to you as a planner. So we put these six part series together. Um, it hits on different themes. Each one is different. They go for about 10 to 15 minutes. It's got a World War II theme, um, 101st Airborne Paratrooper, and it splices this kind of dramatic, you're following the squad as they've jumped out of the airplane, they've 
they've planned, they've recruited, they've whatever, they put their squad together, and then they go take uh, enemy territory, rescue POWs. That's the whole basis of the film that's broken up into these six series. And so you're following the same squad. But what I'm doing is I'm on there actually giving monologue, kind of like if you saw Francis Chan's basic series. And I'm giving monologue. I'm giving very careful instruction, you know, about now, listen, this is what you need to understand about church planning. And so it's very instructional, but it's also entertaining to watch. And we purposefully made it 15 minutes so that uh, church planners could lead their team through all the discussions. Because trust me, the way that I'm, I'm doing this all of the nitty gritty is going to come up. All the stuff that you're kind of like, how do I deal with this? I do it for you on on this video so that you can discuss with them. It's not like you got to say to them, hey, I know you like to wave flags and dance around the room a bunch. Um, I don't really know how to address that with you other than to be a jerk and tell you can't do it. What I actually do in these is I tell you, you know, I raise the reasoning of why we wouldn't do that in a church plant. Maybe you've come from a church that does that why you wouldn't do that in a church planning scenario. And so I kind of open all the cans of worms. I open the Pandora's boxes and I'm giving biblical theology. I'm giving sound counsel. I'm giving wisdom. I'm giving, you know, wisdom gleaned from experience. And it's literally just training your guy. It's doing half the work for you, but then you get to talk with him. So what we advise is 45 minutes to an hour afterwards, you watch that that you discuss with them. And we'll have a series of questions that will go through uh, what they've heard. And trust me, you will work out a lot of the bugs and a lot of the potential uh, pitfalls and roadblocks to a successful church plan after going through this. Does that make sense? Yeah, I had myself muted there so you wouldn't hear me slurping my coffee down. (laughs) But uh, anyway, what I was going to say is – so the, the Kickstarter is uh, the last $6,000 that we need to raise to pay the dude that's actually doing the editing. He's already filmed everything. Uh, this is well under um, what he would charge. I mean, he's a, this is a professional, right? This is what he does. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, we're trying to raise six grand to throw money in our pocket, which is, I think most people who have listened to the podcast, they know that's not what we're about because we we haven't been really good at that. So if that's what we were about, then, you know, we've got to learn how to do it better. But um, absolutely. For those of you guys with us in jump school, man, we already know that you're investing in, um, you know, your uh, training or what have you. And Peter and I are racking our brain to think, well, how can we make it even more appealing? Because you guys are in our posse already. How do we make it more appealing for you? But we really need your help. I mean, we really need your help on this to, uh, to get this done. So, um, so anyway, we're the, excited. The last, yeah. The last $6,000 is going to go to finishing it. And, and we've already said, and we're going to be giving away the video series for free. So, you know, you don't have to look at it and go, Oh, well, you know, if I don't give, I'm not going to get it. First of all, you're in dumb school. So you're going to get it. And secondly, we want it to be a resource for church planners. So we're planning on giving it away for free. And that's really hard to raise money for something that you're planning on giving away for free. Uh, at least on Kickstarter, because on Kickstarter, the idea is you're essentially selling a product in advance of product creation. And, um, and so, you know, your, your people want that product, right? Like the Pebble watch was one of the most funded, uh, 
uh, crowdfunded campaigns. I think they raised like $10 million or something astronomical like that. It's because people wanted this electronic watch, you know, basically like the iWatch before they had the iWatch. And so yeah. they were buying it in advance. Well, when you're planning on giving away a product, it's really hard to get people to buy in advance. And what we've seen is um, just a ton of, uh, of outpouring by individuals more than churches. And that's what started the conversation is um, I would say probably the average gift is around $100. Or I, I shouldn't say gift yeah. because it's technically in Kickstarter. It's not considered a gift. It is considered you're, you're buying something in advance. That's why we've got rewards for it. And, um, and certainly we've had a bunch of, uh, of people who have decided to contribute at the $25 level, which is awesome. Don't misunderstand me. I've been amazed at the, at the $100 gifts because there's like yeah. a lot of those that come through. Yeah, people are jumping straight to that. Right. Yeah, that just kind of blew me away. And um, so, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we've got like a week left or something like that. And uh, and we're at three thousand six hundred and fifty, and we got to hit the the six thousand dollar mark. But what started our conversation on this whole topic was, um, you know, Peyton was saying that he's he's kind of surprised that the biggest givers have been church plants, not the established churches. The established churches have been given a lot less. To which my response was, it doesn't surprise me at all because, you know, you're looking at it going, oh, this is pocket change to them. And I'm yeah. looking at it going, no, they're, they're spending all the money they got coming in. So it's just like going to anybody and asking them for money. If they're already spending it, they, they can't give it to you. And, um, I mean, that's just, that, that's my take on, it. but what, what I really wanted to get recorded, the idea was, cause you mentioned something about our specific church plant, Refuge Long Beach and how, um, we support other church planners. And, you know, not fully support, and you brought up the point that we can't even fully support our own staff, but we still support other church planners, you know, 50 bucks here, 100 bucks a month kind of a thing to, to other church planners, because that's what we see as the mission. It's about spreading the gospel, and if we can help fund a guy, um, even a little bit, you know, as a church planner, when you're in that position, every dollar counts, and I mean, yeah. you want every dollar you can get, but... My my point was, and I didn't bring this up yet, but this is what I wanted to bring up. So this was our long introduction to reach this point right here that I wanted to get to, <laughs> which is, I think, I mean, in my personal opinion, we need to make it a bigger deal in the church. Like, they need to understand what we do and that we support other missionaries. And the reason why I think it needs to be a big deal is people need to understand that's what they're giving to. You know, you've, you've talked about, you know, people like to give to a specific cause. Like, there's plenty of people who are going to love to give to uh, the Jump School video series because, you know, they can say, hey, I, you know, I helped produce that video right there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, you know, this kind of thing right here, especially with the church being as small as we are. You know, yeah. we can say, hey, and I don't know who they are, so I'm just, you know, pulling people out of my 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 head. But you know, let's let's say it's some guy named Bob in Las Vegas. Hey, you know, we're supporting Bob in Las Vegas, and and we give a hundred dollars a month to this guy, and um and here's what he's doing. That just it gives it gives the church buy-in, and it, I'm reminded of this one church that their big deal was look, we are going to support the uh, the for lack of a better term, the poor African child. 
Um, you know, the, the, the systems were there, you know, give $30 a month and we take this kid in Africa and we feed him for a month and we give him schooling and we can do all that for $30. And this one church said, all right, look, that's what we're going to do. And they had like sponsored like a thousand of these kids. And every month that's what they were doing. But everyone in the church knew that's what we do as a church. Like that's our vision as a whole, as a congregation. This yeah. is one of the missions that we want to give to. And I think people can get behind that kind of a thing. That's why yeah. I just think we should bring it up more in our church because it's literally not talked about. I, you know, I go there every week, right? And I don't think I've once heard that from the pulpit. Maybe once back when you were there, um, you know, full time. But yeah, maybe, maybe once then. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that's fair. And um, and it, it's funny. It's always a thing with me where. I've always been reticent and I need to hear that. I personally need to hear that because I've always been reticent to talk about any thing that I do. And that leaks over into the mission. It leaks over into the ministry um, where believe it or not, even though I use Facebook and, and Twitter to say, Hey, support this, give towards that. That's because I believe that cause is going to advance the kingdom of God. But when it comes to talking about what I do, when I go to speak places, I don't usually talk about it. If I'm off like at some conference, it's a very rare. I might post one picture, but I don't build a bunch of hype. I'm just weird that way. I don't do that for Sundays. I'm always quiet about the stuff that I do, including the stuff that my church does. Um, and that's just always been something that's, you know, to never come naturally to me to share that. But, but you're right. The, you know, it's in the scripture. You see Paul sharing uh, all of his mission stuff. And I think the church I, I, needs I to have that vision. Maybe maybe it shouldn't be you, you know, find someone exactly. else who can share about it and doesn't have yeah. any problem getting up Absolutely. there and sharing about it. Absolutely. Well, thanks for volunteering, Pete, because uh, it means a lot to us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind doing that, but I joke with Jamie all the time. I, you pastors are something else, man. When it comes to announcements in church, you guys kill me. You literally kill oh. me because oh. – like at our church, and and this is I, I'm going to throw this out because this might help another church planner, right? Okay, <laughs> at our church, we do a song, and then someone gets up there and gives the announcements. And lately, it's been uh, either Cameron or Ruben. And I tell my wife, I go, I don't even know why they have these poor guys get up there and give us announcements because I 100% guarantee you. Langham or Peyton is going to get up there after them, repeat every announcement they just gave with their own spin on it, and go an extra five minutes. <laughs> and then if it's like, like let's say it's you, you're at our church, but you're not the, the guy who's preaching that day, then we know we're going to get a mini-sermon during the announcement time. Because it's like, you pastors, man, you love to talk in front of the group. I just, I'm, I'm sure she would never man. do it. And I, I don't know if I'm that bad. I, I, if oh, I am, are. let me know. You're one of the worst. Yeah, okay. You're, when, yeah. when you're not preaching. If you are preaching, it's oh, almost yeah. like, you know, you, you can talk later. <laughs> so, it's, yeah. But it's yeah. when you're not preaching that, it's, it's going to be like, it's going to be an extra long announcement time. Oh, yeah. If I'm not preaching, they let me at the announcements. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so here's the thing, you know, with announcements, and I think we did a whole podcast on this. Announcements, guys, are so stinking powerful. And, and in one sense, that's why you need to not have it be the preacher for the reason that Pete's saying, but it has to be someone 
who's really good at announcements because believe it or not, for motivating a church and for moving a body forward, it is as important as the preaching. See, and, and, and I'm going to say that and people are going to be like, oh, blasphemy, right? Because no, what you're doing when you're giving the announcements is you're giving the rationale, philosophy of ministry, and the vision for the church while you're doing that. Anyone who gets up there and goes, hey, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to tell you what goes on on Tuesdays, about like, and on Wednesdays is, you know, and then a bake sale and then a, an auction or all that stupid stuff. You know, that's stupid. Like, that's ridiculously lame. You never give an announcement without giving, like Pete said, a spin on it to say, now, you know that we're this kind of church, and then you flesh out, you know, kind of the vision. And it can be done in 15 to 30 seconds, and then you announce. So you 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 give them the vision, the burden. This isn't just one of many things we do because we just like to fill up your schedule. This is something that we're literally passionate about, and we, um, yeah, I mean, we're we're passionate about it, and we want you to be a part of this. We want to move together in this way. And hopefully you've uh, ascertained what visions and gifts and uh, callings are in your church and you're in sync with that anyways, but you're reminding new people, this is who we are. And so rather than having a class every couple months, a new members class, you're doing that every week. And even old members who have been going there one, two, three years, finally start getting stuff. Recently I was talking with, um, one of our guys. And I mentioned how that, uh, Chris Langham is there and he's in the teacher role. And they were, you know, I've been talking about that, you know, eventually, uh, we're looking for a, a team leader. Um, Chris is picking up some of the slack, but he's not the guy to lead the team. And one of the guys, I was really shocked because he's red church zero, the whole thing. He was like, uh, he was, he said, yeah, I was talking with my wife and I was telling her how they, you know, as soon as we find that team leader, Chris will move on. And I'm kind of sad because I really like Chris. And I'm like, what? And he goes, well, is that wrong? And I go, yeah, that's wrong. And so, you know, you, you'd be surprised how many people you've told a million times how things work, what the mm. philosophy of ministry of the church is, and they still don't get it. And, um, and so I had to say to him, no, he's just going to be a team member, just like I'm a team member, but not the team leader. You know, someone will be leading that team of elders and, uh, you know, and he, it, it had just gone over his head. So you have to constantly be hitting on that all the time. And another thing too, that, um, I remember hearing from this one guy who worked at a nonprofit and somehow we were talking about a pastor, a conversation he had had with one or, or something that, you know, one of his colleagues had had with one, something like that. But he just, I, I remember the, the general gist was he was like overwhelmed that yeah. he's like, wait, let me get this right. You can get up in front of your potential donors every week and talk to them about your financial needs. And you have a problem with that. Because he's like, mm. and, you know, in our nonprofit, we would kill for that opportunity. Yeah. And yeah. we don't get to do it. And you guys get to do it. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I should do it. I feel kind of awkward talking about money and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And he was just like, you guys are crazy. You know, because yeah. like the average nonprofit would kill for the opportunity to get in front of the yeah. people that give to their nonprofit on a weekly basis. And yeah. and um and, the, you know, as churches, we have that opportunity to tell people, hey, look, you know, this is this is what we're we're focusing on. This is 
this is what we do. In our case, it's helping church planners, you know, in another church's case, it might be uh, working with foster kids. In another case, you know, it could be the poor African child program. Um, you know, it could be whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. And, no. you know, in no, absolutely. And in January, I did something kind of like that. Oh, hey, by the way, do we do we have any callers on the line at the moment? Should we break and interrupt oh, ourselves? Well, we're, let we're, them ask you a question. Well, we'll just throw yeah. it out there. If you've got a question for the Band of Brothers call, this, of course, is your opportunity to call. This isn't another podcast of Pete and Peyton. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what you want to do is you want to hit the star six button that will unmute you. Um, try and keep your question to, you know, 60 seconds to 120 seconds. Um, we don't we don't want to take up all the time uh, digging into your particular uh, situation if it doesn't pertain to the actual question itself. And um, and then after you're done, we'll have you hit star six again so it remutes you and you can get a nice clean recording. So uh, go ahead and do that now if you've got a question. Just star six and uh, we'll let you chime in and ask your question. Where's our where's our theme music? We need our theme music. Do 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 that one. See, we already we already know you got the better voice. Steve was quite clear in that. He was he was, but I'm not gonna sing. I'm gonna keep making my point because here's as I say. I tried something that was just on my heart. I hate guilt, guilting people, and as a dude, one of, you know one of the the big motivators for me to talk about money on a Sunday is that, you know, when you read the New Testament, it's kind of like C.S. Lewis said recently, he said, the question is not how much do I need to give as a Christian? He goes, I think the rule of scripture is that you always give more than what you can spare. And I really like that type, that, that quote, because the scripture talks about sacrificial giving. Okay, so as Americans, we sit back and we go, well, how much biblically? I mean, you know, tithing in the New Testament doesn't matter, right? Because what what Jesus valued and what the Scripture talks about is it needs to cost you something. It You need to feel mm. a pinch of it. It needs to be a sacrifice. It needs to hurt. And so, uh, you know, it, and it... You know, in the scripture, you have, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Um, that's mm. one quote. And I believe, you know, there was that, wasn't that, um, wasn't also David where I think it was David that actually said that, where um, I can't remember the, the scripture, but he said, I, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And so it, it needs to be sacrificial, the widow's might. So I've got all these people that are homeless. And one of the guys was telling me, he's like, Peyton, do you realize that every single month we've got um, homeless people that are coming in and they're giving like our homeless people. I know and we don't look at them as homeless people. These guys will walk miles to get to a, a I remember going to this place. It's in the basement. It's this guy named brother Fred and he's an old uh, Quaker dude. He's been doing this for years. He's got this cane and he'll have like 200 easily homeless people in this basement. And I remember when I was there, someone had OD'd on drugs and he was furious and he's like, I'm tired of it. And he's smacking his cane on the table. He's like this old, he's like 70 something years old. He looks like he's going to fall over, but he's tough. And he was a fiery old school, talk like a black man, but he was white as a sheep, preach like a black man. I'm telling you, man, he'd been in Long Beach 
Bill Welsh had heard him preach the gospel years ago and gotten saved under his preaching, mm. believe it or not. He was the guy that my sinning pastor first heard. So Bill told me, Brother Fred still had it. Why don't you go down and check him out? So I went to this thing. It was in the basement of, of this old church. And uh, it was it was a sight to see, man. But I remember there, like, they were walking. At the end of this, they give out a dollar. At the end of this breakfast, they serve a big breakfast, they give a dollar. And I was talking to guys at the table, and they were like, I walked, you know, this many miles to get here this morning. I'm always here, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so they do this thing every single week, and these guys will walk there to get their dollar. And there's all these rules. Don't do this. If you want your dollar, boom, boom, boom. So I didn't realize, like, the you know, the value of a dollar until I went there, right? But our guys, knowing that how precious a dollar is when you're on the streets, man, these guys are giving to Refuge Long Beach. And that got me thinking about the widow's might, right, that these guys have nothing and yet they're giving. And so when I thought about it that way, I'm like, they're giving for their souls, they have been spiritually affected by God, and they're giving as part of their worship. And so when I started thinking, like, you know, in one sense, you think, man, it's not good to be taking an offering with these guys. And, you know, I went through that whole struggle. And, and then I came to the conclusion that, wait a second, these guys, I'm robbing them, right? We, we're not robbing them by taking an offering. We're robbing them by not taking an offering. We're actually mm. robbing them of the opportunity to worship God like everybody else. And we're telling them, hey, widow, don't give your money. Keep it. Jesus was like, no, that is amazing. That's true worship. Jesus commends that and, is, and says that was more, of more value to God. And the, the reason why the spiritual principle is it was more of a sacrifice. And so I think that's the place that we have to come to as church people. And so what I, what I did a few weeks ago, um, last time I was there was I did an announcement and it was, you know, January. So it was the first month of the year, but I gave an invitation for people who never gave, but wanted to an invitation to just give 1%. And I shared the whole thing. What I just shared, I shared about the benefits and, you know, that it's your worship and, um, and I said, I'm not guilting anyone. You were there. You heard me, right? I was very careful to say. I well, I think he, I think I remembered you saying that the the key to salvation was one percent. Oh no, wait, no, uh, no, uh, no right. ten. But you could work up to it with time and effort. <laughs> so kidding. <laughs> so kidding. Yes, it was ten. I said, but um, but but here's the here's the thing, um, you know. And then if you want great rewards, it's twenty in heaven. Ooh. You know. Great rewards for me on earth, great rewards for you in heaven. But anyways, <laughs> the, uh, the the bottom line is that um, what, what I said was, look, I'm not into guilting, but we all got to start somewhere. And I had read a quote in a motivational uh, whatever um, that said, you know, 50% of, of uh, success is just starting, right? Just go for it. Just do it. Just start it, right? We, we've we for, we we move away from whatever we want in life because we think, oh, that's so big. It's a mountain rather than going, hey, it's a hill, not a mountain. Like you two said, you have to look at it like, wait a second, half of, of, of the key to success is just beginning it. Just start it. So I told him, you got to start, guys. It's January. It's a time for starting. And just aim for 1%. And that's 1% more than zero. 
And then I said, but if you if you calculate it today and you're like, I'm only giving three, why not this year give four? Now, I've heard stories about how when churches, when the members go up 1%, it ends up being a lot of money. You don't realize how mm. much money it is. But for me, I was like, you know what? I just want my people to have that. And I told them pastorally, I was able to literally say to them, yes, we have needs. And yeah, so that'll be a huge help to us. But also to you, even if you're like, I, I'm not at 10, my finances aren't in order. I'm at least sacrificially giving 1%. Or if I was at three, I'm sacrificially, everybody can go 1% more than what they're giving now. And that was kind of right. And I said, and if you're at 10, just stop. You're good. You know, that's, uh, that's <laughs> cool. Stop. Everything what? on what? what? <laughs> well, I just told him, I said, look, if you want to go further, go further. Everything over that, over the tithe was, was considered, uh, a, um, uh, was a gift and offering. So there were tithes, gifts, and offerings. And so the, the offerings were the special 10% was, was your, your tithe that you gave. The offering was when there was a special collection going around the, the, the kingdom. And a gift in the scripture was when you gave over and above, um, you know, both of those. And so tithe, gifts, and offerings. And, uh, and, and so I just said those are gifts and offerings. So that that's one thing that may be helpful for you guys as church plants right now to um, just, you know, put on your radar and hit your people with and just let them know because you don't want to rob them. And for me as a pastor, I want them to have that understanding. And here's the deal, like what you were saying before we recorded is everybody seems to live above their means. The amazing things is they've done research. It shows that people who tithe actually are people who aren't in debt. Because it it automatically starts programming you, and, and Dave Ramsey swears by this, that it automatically programs you to budget, and you mm. become a person who lives to not live, learns to not live above your means. Tithing is a, is a way of hardwiring wisdom into your finances. So it has all these incredible benefits as well. Interesting. Interesting. Well, uh, anybody, did you, do you want to chime in with a question? I've had Gabriel Provincio uh, Facebooking me since we started. Um, <laughs> I have is. a testimony about how our Pinebrook Church got a breakthrough. Well, Gabriel, star six yourself and tell us. You gotta, you gotta speak up, brother. I got a phone call from somebody. And I, it was from Wisconsin. I think he didn't understand the whole call this number thing. I think he's calling me personally. Oh. <laughs> Gabriel, come on, brother. Star six. Come break on, in. Brother. Break Star in. Star six. Star six, brother. Don't leave me hanging. If not, we can go to uh, Mike Niels' question. All right. We'll go to Mike Niels' question. If Gabriel, if you want to break in, go ahead and break in. He might be busy doing other stuff. Um, yeah. Do you have if, Mike Neal's question right there in front of you? Um, yes and no. Uh, I never have these in front of me, but uh, I remember the question. Do you have it? Um, I'll give the background while you look for it. Here's, here's Yeah, you give the background, I'll look for it. Mike Neal's last month, um, he wrote in for Band of Brothers, and Mike, Mike works, you know, jump. He works... Uh, at, at a door factory. He, he normally has like a 30 minute lunch. When I talk to Mike, it's during a, a 30 minute window, but great guy. Um, he has, is doing a church plant much like ours, which has a, 
percentage of the population which is homeless. And so what's happened is he had this one woman who flipped out and started yelling and screaming at somebody. And I, I can't remember if on the first call she was cussing, but he's like, what do I do when someone starts yelling at someone else in the middle of the service? And so we talked about it. Now, interestingly enough, I read an amazing tactic this month from a guy named Joe McKeever. Joe is an old retired Baptist minister down in the state of Louisiana. He, I think it's joemckeever.com. Um, he has so much wisdom that he shares about ministry. And uh, he shared a really cool thing that he does when that kind of happens. Um, and he was talking about in a church meeting, but I think it would it would work anywhere else. He says what he does is he stops, he closes his eyes, and he outstretches his hands like he's Moses, and he just waits. And he says, and that is such uh, a change to the atmosphere in the room that that usually does the trick. He goes, what starts happening is people start going, shh, 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 shh. You know, the whole congregation starts shooshing, and everybody, you know, and that person gets shooshed. It's almost like everyone in the church does it for you. And he says, because I used to have church meetings where people would start yelling at each other. And he said, and that's what mm. I learned to do. I didn't interrupt them. I didn't do that. He goes, I just did that. And he said, and they all did it for me. And before long, he said, and I didn't even address it. I just keep going. And that would completely settle the room. He goes, especially because I didn't take that person and address him personally. Now, that was different than how... I said that I deal with stuff like that, but, um, you know, I'm using my, my training as a psych nurse. And if I'm the guy preaching though, and no one around me knows what to do, um, maybe I haven't trained my team accurately enough. You know, we did mention that, um, first time it happened for us, our team, you know, it re really hadn't been highlighted enough and, and kind of people need that experience to really learn how to do it anyway. So first time never usually goes, but I would say guys try that. Because when I read that this week, I was like, man, that's awesome. But Mike had an addendum. He had an add-on this month and was like, hey, okay, it happened again, but it was much worse this time. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, so I found his question, um, and then Gabriel just said that uh, it was telling him it couldn't unmute himself. So um, <laughs> I think I, think Sorry, I might have hit star five too many times. So hold on. Let me, let me, let me see if I can undo that real quick. Woohoo! All right, so now Gabriel, you should be able to star six yourself and uh, and unmute yourself. So we'll see if we can try that real quick. I want to make sure we get Gabriel in before he's got to go. Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. Is that is that Gabriel? Yeah, great to catch up to you guys, man. Are you guys hearing me? Yeah. Yeah. We gotcha. Okay. Well, hey, I can I can wait till you finish um the question and the answer that, that you guys Okay. Uh, All right. Addressing. All right. I okay, we'll wanna, keep on with uh, Mike Neal or whatever. All right, yeah, we'll finish on with Mike Neal. So here's here was his uh question to us. Um Hey Pete and Peyton, thanks for your help last month. I have a follow up question. The lady from last month blew up again at someone this time after church during our fellowship time. Bad thing is she did it in front of our <laughs> kids this time. We've told her we need an apology from her to the parents as well as to the gentleman she yelled at, whose only crime was that he was trying to wipe down tables near her. Uh, what should we do this week when she comes again and won't apologize? 
I know we are well within our rights to report her for trespassing, but I'd rather not have it come to that. Um, however, so, I have to put the, the safety of our kids first. Yeah, and Mike's quite right on that. Um, what, what's your thoughts, Pete, before I say anything? I have no idea, dude. That's why I'm like, <laughs> I want to hear the answer to this. I don't know what you do. I don't know what yeah, you do. Yeah, so number one, this cannot be dealt with just on Sundays. And, you know, it's interesting we got Gabriel on the line because I would imagine th- this is not an accident. Gabriel's going to have some great wisdom on this because Gabriel does street church. I mean, we're actually talking right up his alley right now. So I'll give my two bits, and then we'll bring Gabriel on, get his two bits, and then uh, this is the benefit of a band of brothers call, man. This is this is the deal. This is what makes it magic, is that you get guys on, and you've got what I think. You've got what Joe McKeever thinks as a retired Baptist minister in Louisiana. Now you're going to hear what Mr. Provincio thinks, and so this is what makes it sweet. But, um, okay, first off, my thoughts are, number one, um, you cannot just deal with this on the Sunday. Um, I would right away see this as, you know, I don't know her mental state. I don't know if she's, we talked last time about, you know, is she mentally ill? Well, let's just say that she's not mentally ill. Let's just say she has a really bad temper problem. She's been living on the streets. You know, she's just kind of like a rabid dog and whatever. Here's the deal. For me, it becomes a discipleship issue and you're not going to disciple her during the service. So, Right away, what I do is I have someone come alongside um, that morning. We're anticipating her coming. We have some breakfast for her. Um, we have something special for her, maybe a gift. And I know this is the opposite of kind of what you think, uh, where you're saying, like, you know, uh, don't let her back until she apologizes. I'm going to diffuse the situation. It's funny because I was talking to another pastor who was a cop. and we're, we, we encountered a homeless guy coming into the church while we were meeting. He came in and used the bathroom. And we talked about our different approaches afterwards, and he said, you know, uh, when I was a police officer, I was trained that when people aggress, you take it one level higher to establish dominance over the situation. And I said, that's funny, because in a psychiatric hospital where we didn't have guns, we were taught the opposite. We were taught a theory called low arousal, which means you go one, you de-escalate by one level. You talk softer, you talk slower, you talk more gently. You do the opposite. And so uh, with her, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take her. So I'm going to have someone there that she trusts and knows. We're going to anticipate it. We're going to give her a gift. We're going to sit down. We're going to make it positive from the start. And we're going to just say, hey, what happened last week? And we're going to let her talk. We're not going to come at her. We're not going to have a case laid out against her. We're going to ask her what happened. Now, she's probably going to get upset as she relives it. And we're going to say, well, you know, that, that temper... Um, that you have, I, I, I think, I think Jesus wants to help you with that issue. And, you know, and then, and then what I would do, if it remains, I'd say, you know, I used to have a really bad temper and let me tell you some of the ways that God changed me. And I would meet with her either before the service on a regular basis in the week, you know, sometimes really hard to meet with people that are homeless in the week and almost can be impossible, right? They're not on the same schedule. Uh, but, you know, th- these are the things that I'm going to do, and I'm going to disciple her, okay? I'm not going to – it's not going to be me. It's going to need to be a female or a couple, but um, that's that's how I'm approaching that. And so, Gabriel, man, star six yourself in, and let's, let's hear from the master now. Yeah, I've been listening. 
Peyton, I, I really think that's uh that's that's wisdom. You know, over the years of being six years doing, you know, night strike and we've had, you know, there's times number one what I would encourage this this pastor to do is spend some time praying for the service, praying for the peace of the service, praying for that woman. Because a lot of times we have people that come and act up, and I'll pray. I'll pray throughout the week, hmm. the night before we get to the ministry, and I'll spend an hour just just praying for that person with passion, with with all my heart, you know, I mean, in, hmm. in tears for them, because what they're really doing is they're crying out. They're 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 not. It's it's not even an anger issue. What's happening is that they're crying out for help, and Man. no one needs. No one knows how to deal with them and. No one knows how to love them, and, and they're really unlovable. <laughs> we have a girl; her name's Lily, and 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 she's she was a, a believer for many years. Sometimes in, during the service, she'll she'll start worshiping and crying and speaking in tongues really loud and just going crazy and crying. You, you know what I mean? And just freaks everyone out. You know what I mean? But we we've learned to love her. My my wife will come and just hug her. But the only way that she can do that is what you said, is it building a relationship with that person. Mm. So when Lily would act up during services, sometimes she would come so angry and mad, and she's a pretty good-sized girl. Um, just to give you an idea, Lily, her, her street nickname's Cobra. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> so I, I want you guys to understand, um, Lily sounds like a pretty name, but this is Cobra, you know what I mean? <laughs> and Cobra one time Lily came you. one time Lily came to our, our meeting she only had a t-shirt on and she was angry um, nothing on underneath it she was angry she'd been going through it and um, and she actually um, went to the restroom all over our chairs <laughs> oh wow you know so you know it it, it there's been time after time, but what, what we started doing with my wife, we started um, finding her on the street during during the week, like you're saying, Peyton, and loving yeah. on her and taking her some food. And, you know, and then I would tell her, see, because this is what I call it. It's it's one-on-one discipleship. How do you disciple these people that aren't even ready to be in, mm. a, in a church, let alone, you know, I mean, in a street yeah. church, you know? Yeah. So how do we, you know, the thing is this, man, you know, for, for the pastor who's listening, you got to be prayed up. Yeah, bro. You have to be prayed up. You know, you know, there there are times Peyton not preaching, and the people start manifesting, and sometimes the group that's with me don't know how to act. <laughs> I'll rebuke the spirit. I'll tell it yeah. to shut up in the name of Jesus, and it'll silence, yeah. and I'll tell it to leave, and it'll leave. Yeah. You know, and and many times it, it, you know, I've had guys come up, you know, and just start screaming and yelling. You know, you know, and I'll just look at them with the, with the, like you said, with that um, de-escalated voice, and I'll just whisper right to them and say, you know, you foul spirit, come out of my friend in the name of Jesus. And yeah. man, right then you'll see like a whole transformation. I mean, I think pastors, you know, we read scriptures about denom, denom, uh, you know, you know, demons, and but we don't understand that those are demons that are coming in sometimes. Yeah, that's so right. So the difference is to be able to discern where it's a demon and whether it's a person that's broken and hurting and crying out. Yeah. You know, and, and, and sometimes that's, a combination that's a of both. Sometimes yeah, a combination yeah. of both at the same time. Yeah. They're all, they're all, you know, spun out on meth for days and then they come and they're angry. But, I, but I think the key thing for, for my advice would be for this pastor is to be prayed up, to pray, yeah. 
to praying to search for them during the week and try to just love on them and establish a relationship. So long story short, cut it short, was this. We begin to speak to Lily, you know, outside of, of the service. And I, and, I, and I did tell her, I said, you know, hey, so you, you know what it is to be in the house of God. I referred to her past, you know, experience with the Lord. And I told her, I, and I, I questioned her behavior, you know, because if I don't, then I'm allowing her to do that, you know, I'm not helping her. Yeah. So yeah. I think it, there's wisdom, you know what I mean, in, in wanting to talk to them, uh, addressing an issue, but it's all about how you do it. And, and it all stems back to prayer. Are you prayed up? I've seen people that do this ministry and they're not prayed up and get into arguments and fights with the people and it just escalates out of control. It's so funny that you're saying this because today I posted this thing on Facebook. It was this guy and he's, he's really square as this old guy and he, he's trying to do what Crocodile Hunter does and, and wrestle a gator. And you can just tell by the way he's walking up to it. He has no clue what he's doing. He's watched too much Animal Planet. And he goes up there and he takes his jacket off and he throws it over the alligator's face and it's a clumsy throw and then he goes behind he's all ginger about it and looks like it's the alligator whips his tail he's gonna break the guy in half like a twig and next thing you know he starts to go down and he puts his hand on on the alligator without putting his body weight you know how it works right you've watched animal planet those guys dive on that gator their body weight is on that thing this guy goes up there and it's like he's gingerly sitting down he puts his hand on it like but without putting his body weight down this thing thrashes him, turns around, bites his arm, starts swinging him around, then almost bites his leg, but the guy's trying to get away. The alligator's like, look, I've had enough. But I put on there, I post it, and I put, this reminds me of trying to do frontline ministry without the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what it is. It's like the sons of Seba, you know? Paul, we know, and Jesus, we know, but who are you? You know, like, boom, you know? Just tear him up like a gator. And it's so funny that you're saying that, because that is such, you can't even think about doing this kind of ministry unless you're thrown, throwing yourself at the feet of God in prayer. There's just no way. So it's a good point. But Gabe, hey, man, thanks for weighing in. This, this actually is the kind of stuff, like I said, that Band of Brothers is all about. So thanks for helping Mike out. What's your question today? I wanted to share a little bit about what you were talking about, giving and the people. So, you know, so we're at Pine Brook. We're, we're, we're planning this church in the worst apartment complex in Alma Claire. People are coming. Um, we're, we're, we're talking to the people. They had been in some churches that were, like, taking three offerings in one service, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so me and my wife had decided, hey, let's not take an offering. We'll do a potluck every month, and then that's how they'll give. And, you know, this, this, this was our idea, you know what I mean? Because I'm like you. I want to avoid that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. and 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 I I don't want to like, you know, appear to be because I've been in churches, man, that just they're just begging, you know, and and so me and my wife really determined, okay, we're gonna love these people, we're not gonna ask nothing of them, but this is what happened, Peyton. About two months um down the line, um, Bishop Tom from Africa came, and uh, he came to preach at our our Sunday morning service. Uh, he's like my spiritual brother. He's part of the network that we're we're involved in also too, and. You know, he's staying at my home and, you know, different things. So um, he's he operates apostolically, you know. Mm. So he gets up and I introduce him. And my wife had just did the, the announcements and stuff. And she talked about the potluck that we were going to do. And she mentioned that, you know, that to tell the people we're not asking for money. 
you know, and stuff. And this is our, this is our heart, you know. And Bishop Tom gets up and he says, you know, forgive me, Mama Eugenia. He says, and, and Pastor Gabriel, he says, but I got to step into an apostolic role at this moment. And I have to set something in order. He began to explain to the people, he goes, I planted churches in Africa in the poorest villages that you could ever imagine under tree, a tree just like this. And he said, <laughs> and if I didn't teach them to give, I would have kept them in poverty. He says, now those churches have buildings and the people have jobs and the people are blessed, he said. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he told them, he goes, he goes, Gabriel, he says, I love you. My, you're my brother. He says, if I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking apostolically to you here. And then what else he did was he began to challenge the people to begin to help me to unload chairs and to do things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that day he took an offering. And in a little Pine, Pine Brook ministry, uh, the offering was like $70. And I'm like, wow. whoa. You know, I'm thinking like <laughs> 70 bucks. <laughs> Where did this come yeah. from? Yeah. You know, but what happened this Sunday, um, this Sunday, we actually got our new church um, building together. We're using a garage now. We're in a garage. Awesome. And five weeks ago, we, we got one of the garages, and I paid, uh, a month ago, we paid rent for one garage. That morning, we met in our garage for the first time. We hadn't had it fixed up. This Sunday, we, we got it fixed up. But the first wow. meeting, the Lord gave me a message, and it was on giving. You know, mm. and he was like, man, Lord, do I have to do this? Lord, I don't want to talk on this, you know? And it was yeah. it was a, a message. And, and the message was when, when the Lord told Israel, you know, Moses to tell Israel to give for the, for, for the sanctuary and for, you know, and goat's hair and all this stuff that they, you know, it's a big old list of stuff, you know? Yeah. So long story short, um, when I got to church that Sunday morning, I shared with the people, Look at you guys. The Lord, I'm going to share this about giving. You guys have been giving, and and every offering since then has been close to 40, 45, 50 bucks every every wow. Sunday. You know, and the people wow. have been getting blessed with jobs. They've been getting blessed with vehicles. I mean, God has been like just opening doors for the people. And in and in my mind, I was thinking these poor people ain't got nothing, and I don't yeah. want to take what they got. And God said, no, well, you know this, what? This is, yeah, it, it's interesting what you're saying, man, because a lot of times, like, well, our church right now is 50% African-American. And I'm starting to see why the prosperity stuff kind of took root. And, and you know, obviously in the scripture, there is a teaching that God will prosper you. That stuff's in there. Um, you, you can't overreact and say there's none of that in there. There is. Um, there are promises to certain things. But obviously, the prosperity false teachers took it too far. Um, the faith movement took it too far, and of, and of course, they hijacked a good doctrine, which is the doctrine of faith. Faith is an important doctrine, right? Um, to the point where evangelicals dismiss both of these things, and they have become as as unbiblical, maybe with with not quite the same consequences as the false teachers. But there needs to be a balance because I'm seeing in the community I'm in. I'm constantly hearing from those that are impoverished who have come to faith that suddenly their lives are clicking together. Um, you know, and I'm not saying like all trials go out the window or anything, but they are getting jobs and they are experiencing uh, blessings suddenly just poured out on where they've like, I've never had this in my life. This is amazing. And with that will come, you know, temptations and, and all the rest. But I'm starting to see 
why some of that stuff has gotten injected in. I can see some of the false conclusions. I can remember when I first became a Christian, um, the prettiest girl in school became my girlfriend. I thought, wow, being a Christian is awesome. <laughs> you know, I'm the prettiest girl in the school is my, you know, God gave me a girlfriend. That's awesome. Of course, I was a teenager. Um, little did I know. But, you know, um, but it, it's true, man, that that that's a that's a powerful and salient point. And, and, and it needs to be said, man, God does do that stuff. He does intervene in people's lives. You know, what's amazing is that, you know, our, our whole intent was not to do that. And we figured, well, we can we can support this. You know, you know, it's you know, we you know, we can do this and it's not costing us so much. But then it started costing me. You know, I was spending, you know, 40, 50 bucks every Sunday, you know, and, yeah. and, um, I just started, uh, just, just praying. But, um, the other thing, what happened was the Sunday morning that we were in that garage, the Lord told me this and I told the people, I said, listen, you know, this morning, the Lord spoke to me to give you this message about giving. I'm here. Um, this is not my church. I said, if I would have paid this, this $60 rent for this garage, it would have been Gabriel's church. But you guys have been giving. This is your church because the money that paid for this to rent this place is the money that you gave. This belongs to you and not me. And and that was a big click in you know, a big like shift in their mentality. And I, I begin to tell them this is what another thing that we we've done, Peyton, too, um um when I went to Africa, um we have some sister churches there. There's a church in and outside in a village in Jinja, and Pastor Noah's one of the pastors. Well, he got kicked out of a school by some Muslim people that made complaint and some other stuff. So they were looking for a building. Um, our team made a made a a commitment to help support their church. So there's two 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 churches and then a couple private you know people. Um, we we as Pinebrook you know made a commitment to support this church with our offering. So it's costing us a hundred bucks a year to, uh, to, for these people to be in, in a building right now. So when I came mm-hmm. home, I said, look at your giving. You, you're not just a little church in, in a garage. You guys are touching the world today. And I Amen, keep injecting brother. that to them. I keep yeah. speaking to them that it's, it goes beyond, you know, you know, just it goes beyond right them. Here. And I think that's what we it need goes to beyond do. Them. We need to, yeah. And and that's what Pete was saying earlier. He's going, I think this is important, you know, that people know that it's not just about this body. I This is one of the exit strategies that I have when I'm functioning apostolically, when I'm leaving, is I want them to be more excited and more focused on the church plants that are coming down the pipe, what God is going to do than the fact I'm I'm leaving. And if I do my job right, that's what actually happens. And that, that, that's kind of, that's what I've experienced is that people are like, oh, the mission, the mission is the focus, not the man. And so, hey, Gabriel, thanks for buzzing in, man. It's been awesome having you on. And we're going to open it up one last uh, caller and see if we, uh, if we got anyone else. You've been quiet today. It's a funny old week. I'm traveling all over and um, looks like we, uh, we may have had a quieter day today. Yeah, just go ahead and hit star six. That will unmute you if you got a question. And uh, chime right in with your question. Comment, snide remark. 
<laughs> comment snide remark. I like that. You know our audience so well. It's so true. Isn't it? <laughs> of course. All right. Well, hey, it doesn't look like anyone's beefing in, but to be honest, I actually think this is one of our best, and I really appreciated um, Gabriel's insight on that. It, it, yeah, that was that not an accident. Great. That was the Lord. Yeah. That was absolutely – I'm thinking, hold on a second. We've read Mike's question. We're beeping Gabriel on. Like, that was timing. That was Holy Spirit timing right there. So, and guys, when you do call in, those of you that are listening, if um, if you are, you know, most of you guys are bivocational, and we get it, but when you can make these, that's what this becomes. It becomes a forum, and you're benefiting from each other. Don't forget that we have an online forum that uh, you can be doing this, even, you know, interacting and throwing questions on there. Uh, during the month, during during the week, if you got something and you're like, I don't want to wait for Band of Brothers, slap it on there, and uh, and we'll hash it out in there. Um, when I taught university courses online, most of our good discussions and teaching came through, uh, you know, discussion posts like that. And you get people doing the same thing that we just did here. And uh, so, guys, that's one tool that's accessible to you. And we'll see you as you light up those boards. All right, Pete, sing us out, brother. All right, just a couple of last things. Don't forget uh, Hardcore Church Planning Podcast. We just launched that thing. You can find it in iTunes or Stitcher, and that's our uh, Wednesday podcast. Every Wednesday we got a great uh, interview, um, free, obviously, resource in there. And uh, and uh, what's our uh, tagline on that one, Peyton? I can never remember. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> go hardcore, go home. <laughs> That's my terrible Arnold. I think I'm I'm a little bit beneath the guy on on Fiverr, but just barely beneath the guy on Fiverr because barely. I, I don't know. So, uh, but I'm a anyway, better Yoda. Tagline, Hands down, I'm tagline, a better Yoda. Our tagline for jump school. Uh, and remember, if you don't find yourself surrounded, you're in the wrong landing zone. Jump school, and nobody can do that like you. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later, guys. Hey, we still want. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.